0: After knowing the most important names of the drugs that are the mainstay of the adrenergic system, that is about the adrenergic drugs, today I want to start off with some of the individual drugs and I'll be covering most of the important aspects of these drugs. So I'm sure you might be expecting that I would be starting off with adrenaline, but because I have already covered the major actions and effects of the adrenergic drugs in almost a lot of systems previously and no doubts about it that i have also talked about epinephrine in most of these places so i was thinking in place of adrenaline why not start off this adrenergic system with noradrenaline though i will be taking adrenaline that is a little later okay so, welcome all to this Pharmacology Difficult Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Radhika Vijay, ABBS MD, Pharmacology, and this is the audio hub to get the best simplified basic tips, strategies, methods, and lots of ideas to learn better, understand better, and make your concepts crystal clear. If you really find, and if there's a question hovering in your minds, is Pharmacology Difficult? Lend your ears for a while and let in the magic of knowledge. So, let's begin the talk at the convo about the noradrenaline. The mammalian postganglionic nerves significantly release the noradrenaline. Structurally, if we talk about noradrenaline, then we can compare it with adrenaline. But it is devoid of a methyl substitution in one of its amino groups and that's how it is distinguished from adrenaline. As far as the content is concerned, in normal states, it's about 15%. Yes, ranging between 10 to 20%. That's all about 15% of the total sympathetic and the catecholamine discharge in our body. While in the case of abnormal pathological states, I'm talking about some hyper-noradrenaline secretory states. That is a pathology. And that is known as pheochromocytoma that's a cancerous and a tumor of adrenal medulla so in that conditions the secretion of noradrenaline rises apparently up to 95 percent of the total catecholamine discharge in our body so that is very abnormal The stimulation of the beta-1 receptors is actually the most prominent thing. It is equal in potency as compared to adrenaline and the action on beta-2 receptors is almost nil. I'm talking about noradrenaline. So noradrenaline has a prominent effect on beta-1 receptors and also a prominent effect on alpha receptors but almost nil effect on beta-2 receptors. This prominent effect on alpha receptors is definitely less if we compare it with the adrenaline effect on alpha receptors. I'm sure you're getting what I mean to say. So you just have a good comparative aspect with the adrenaline also. The most significant effects of noradrenaline, they are definitely seen in the cardiac tissue. When given as intravenous doses, systolic pressure is increased, diastolic pressure is increased, and definitely pulse pressure is also increased the total peripheral resistance is increased and there occurs a compensatory vagal reflex action and that puts a setback on the heart. The peripheral vascular resistance increases, the coronary flow increases while the renal and the hepatic flow is reduced. Now there are some effects on the beta-2 receptors of the coronary vessels of the noradrenaline and that increases the coronary blood flow. But always keep in mind there is overall, if we see the effect on the beta-2 receptors of noradrenaline, it is equal to zero. That is nil. There are no other significant effects of noradrenaline as far as the whole system of the body is concerned. If large doses, they are administered. They prominently show metabolic disturbances like hyperglycemia. And noradrenaline is very easily and rapidly metabolized by catecholamine O-methyltransferase transferase is abbreviated as capital COMT, and monoamine oxidase that is abbreviated as MAO. When norepinephrine is administered orally, so you should not give norepinephrine orally. It should be given parenterally. What about the toxicity? In the toxic states, there is a greater rise in blood pressure and that is the most prominent effect. That is, hypertension is very much significant. And one more thing you need to keep in mind that if the intravenous injection is given for noradrenaline, then there may be a problem of extravasation and that may lead to some kind of slowing or necrosis of the area surrounding the intravenous injection. There is a total lack of proper circulation during the noradrenaline injection in the regions of kidney and intestine. Yes, they are suffering the maximum from the hypocirculation. So, all in all, what can you infer from all this storm of information? The best use of noradrenaline is as a vasoconstrictor and that is during the states of hypotension. Now, that was a very good and adequate information about the noradrenaline. Let's move on to another drug today. One of the FDA-approved pro of noradrenaline is droxydopa. And that is very much in vogue and used for dizziness and lightheadedness. It's of great importance in the subjects who are suffering from primary autonomic failure and resultant orthostatic hypotension i mean there's a f- fall in blood pressure that is the people they're suffering from orthostatic hypotension now droxidopa can easily cross the blood-brain barrier and noradrenaline is actually the mediator of its action at almost most of the places so i'm sure you're getting how it works how it uh, mechanism of action that is we are the conversion to noradrenaline. Let's move on to our next drug of the day that is dopamine. Dopamine is again related to epinephrine and noradrenaline both. How? It's the immediate precursor of these two drugs that is adrenaline and noradrenaline. If we talk about its central actions, it is an important neurotransmitter. And what about its peripheral actions? It shows local diuretic and natriuretic effect in the periphery again if you give this drug orally it has a similar fate as that of noradraline that is it's quickly metabolized by mao and comt that is monamine oxidase and catecholamine omethyltransferase one thing you need to Keep in mind always when you know and you when when you want to describe the effects of dopamine. Concentration-dependent receptor effects, they are a special characteristic feature of dopamine. So we have three doses and three different type of receptors on which the three doses of dopamine act and its effects varies. Yes, it does. So the lowest dose of dopamine, it stimulates the dopamine 1, that is D1 receptors in kidney misentery, And also in the coronary region. The mechanism is via the increase in the cyclic AMP and that results in the vasodilatation. The glomerular filtration rate also increases. There is a lot of sodium excretion that is natriuresis. It is also enhanced. And this makes dopamine a very apt drug for congestive heart failure where there is low cardiac output and also the renal function is very much suffered it's impaired actually so that is the whole description of the lowest dose of dopamine let's move on to a little higher dose of dopamine in the medium or the higher dose it acts on the beta-1 receptors they are stimulated in the heart the heart rate is increased then noradrenaline is too released and that adds up to its effect. The pulse pressure, the systolic blood pressure, they both are increased and there is actually no or very less insignificant effect on the diastolic blood pressure. That you need to remember because uh, that is different from noradrenaline. Noradrenaline was increasing all kinds of pressure, whether it be pulse pressure, whether it be systolic blood pressure, whether it be diastolic blood pressure. While dopamine, in while acting on the cardiac region it is not showing an effect on the diastolic blood pressure. Then let's talk about the highest concentration or the maximum concentration. In the maximum concentration dopamine is definitely stimulating and activating profoundly on the alpha-1 receptors and overall vasoconstriction state is seen that is there is an immense amount of hypertension. Now, you need to remember another one more important thing. Dopamine doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier and very few or rather nil central nervous system effects. They are a part and parcel of the dopamine administration. You can say it has no effect on the central nervous system, right? Okay, now, let's talk about... While administration of dopamine, what can be the precautions that can be observed? Precautionally, it's actually a nice step that before you administer dopamine, one should correct the any kind of hypovolemia. And it's generally seen that dopamine infusion is associated with adverse effects like nausea, vomiting. There's a pain in heart. There's a pain in head there's a rise in blood pressure and then if there is extravasation at the injected site it may lead to necrosis sloughing, gangrene etc now dopamine also shows drug interactions yes so it's dose adjustment or correction needs to be paid attention especially when administering dopamine with drugs like tricyclic antidepressants and monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Now, what about the uses? Congestive heart failure is one of the best use of dopamine, especially people who are suffering from reduced urinary output, that is oliguria, And dopamine is very useful in any kind of shock states, especially the cardiogenic and the septic shocks. So that was all a good adequate info storm about the dopamine. I will give you a very brief account of two more drugs, phenoldepam and dopexamine. Fenoldipine is very fast acting vasodilator, especially it is used in the states of severe hypertension. And what are these states? Well, one of the best example is malignant hypertension. It should not be administered more than two days, that is more than 48 hours. It's a D1, that is dopamine D1 agonist. It is also an alpha 2 agonist and it is actually, it leads to the dilatation of almost all blood vessels and especially the coronary arteries. What can you visualize the adverse effects? Well, they are related to its action. If there is severe hypotension then one can suffer from headache flushing tachycardia or bradycardia whatever complex situation and these are the most prominent adverse effects let's move on to our next drug that is dopexamine dopexamine is actually synthetic drug yes and it shows activity intrinsic activity on the dopamine both d1 and d2 receptors And it also shows activity on the beta-2 receptors. So, accordingly, you can decide where it will act and how it will be useful. It is very useful hemodynamically in states of shock, sepsis, and heart failure. Sometimes it may be very important and useful in patients having low cardiac output. Its most prominent ADRs are tachycardia, and hypotension. So, with this, I have covered a lot of endogenous catecholamines. So, I have talked about noradrenaline, I have talked about droxide dopa, dopamine, then um, I've talked about phenoldipam. I've talked about dopexamine. Then, actually, I wanted to start with adrenaline, but it would be a quite repetition of a lot of things. So, let's do adrenaline most probably in our next episode till then stay tuned for all the updates and latest episodes of my podcast you visit www.pharmacologydifficult.com where you can also sign up for a free monthly e-newsletter of mine it actually contains a lot of updates about medical sciences drug information updates and my podcast updates also you can follow me on different social media handles like twitter insta facebook and linkedin they all are with the same name as pharmacology difficult if you are listening for the first time do subscribe and follow whatever platform you are consuming this episode stay tuned to rate and review on itunes apple podcast stay safe stay happy stay enlightened thank you